The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. The next Rugby World Cup is on our doorstep and your place for the biggest and best rugby discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Great to have Jeff Parks back on the pod last week for our Team of the Rugby Championship selection meeting, uh, which went pretty well, I must say, and not nearly as much consternation as these things tend to create. Uh, You can have your say each week on the Raw, or you can hit us up on the socials. Joining me this and every week, a man rediscovering that life outside rugby does indeed exist, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. (laughs) How's it, it, Brett? Um, I want to say that... um... I wrote a somewhat controversial article on the roar uh, last week because it was so factual. And, um, <laughs> and so uh, I, I was watching a London Irish play and Rob mm. Simmons, who's only 33, yeah. won 10 line, 10 lineouts in a match. And I was just thinking he might've been useful in the final two or three matches of the rugby championship this year. Might, just throwing might, it out there. Might still be useful over the course of of November, perhaps. In, <laughs> he uh, looks very good, actually. He's played yeah. very well. Interesting. Good little tip there. On to this week's guest, though, mate. I'm really looking forward to taking this chance to get into camp ahead of the biggest international rugby tournament on the planet kicking off this weekend. The Raw Rugby Podcast. To the pod's Auckland studio, we return, and it is a special return we make to New Zealand We're joining us from the Wallaroos camp ahead of their Rugby World Cup opener against the Black Ferns on Saturday evening is Sarah Nangama. How are you, Sarah? Good, thank you. So good to be with you, fellas. There's so much to talk about and I can't wait to get stuck into it. Oh, there really is. There really is a lot to talk about, isn't there? There's a bit going on. We'll start where we start every week, though, um, and that is simply what stood out for us on another great weekend of rugby. I can imagine what stood out for you, Sarah, was probably another rough week of training, rough weekend of training, I should say. Yeah, it's been a pretty tough trot. So we checked into camp over a week ago. We all assembled in uh, Coogee in Sydney and all the girls from um, our various states all came in and we had a beautiful send-off by Rugby Australia organised at Luna Park. And then first thing Saturday morning, like dare I say, day day two of uh, World Cup, and uh, we were out on the icy cold sand in Coogee Beach and we had a mental fitness coach by the name of David King waiting for us and um, the the intention of that uh, session was to isolate, take us into the darkness and break us. (laughs) (laughs) And I quote, that is exactly what he said to us. uh, It was tough. It was so tough. Um, But the girls really stuck it out and I think, you know, on, on the back of that session, standing there as a group, we really felt that we had set the tone of the intensity and I guess yeah. the kind of that we want to carry in. So we only had about two days in Sydney and then we flew over to Auckland where we've been for the past week. And um, it's not been easy. Like every day yeah. they're just smashing us. I think only a few days ago we had like a double session and that was the least amount of sessions we've had throughout the whole week. Oh, wow. There's been like three or four days kind of um, session but you know it's not lost on us as a group that we're here for a world cup and we've got a job to do and preparation is key for us yeah so it's not like you're you're not olympic swimmers you're not building up to a point and then you taper in from three weeks out <laughs> oh, mate, I, I mean you can have a word to our coach about tape i don't think that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic um harry what did you what did you pick up on this this weekend just gone i was just thinking the opposite 
today. Our goal is the opposite, actually, Sarah, for you is to connect you, bring you into the light. And, uh, Thank you. Thank you. Actually, and actually make it all seem just like yeah. a walk in the park. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, Love it wasn't it. that much to look at besides uh, some really good rugby over the UK. Mm. The four South African teams did very well in the URC. Yeah. But actually, actually, what I would say is uh, I, I learned that several verbs and nouns have made their way from, from um, the rugby championship into the English dictionary. Okay, I'll oh, give God. you a couple. Go Just ahead. a couple. No, that's good. The corobete. That's to transform your body into an aerodynamic missile. <laughs> that's fantastic. A, 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 completely, a completely legal aerodynamic missile you missed. Yes. He's yes. my cousin. The co- he's Fijian, I'm Fijian, which basically means the cousin. <laughs> I'm drinking Fiji water. Excellent. Yeah. So then we have the Kellaway, which is to transform a test match into your own dating app. You look around, Andrew <laughs> Kellaway, he runs, he runs around like he's trying to just do a profile. Serious. Serious. <laughs> Boy, I'm sorry, one, one more, one more. The swaying, <laughs> to swaying, to swear with your limbs, to transform your body into a slur. Sorry, I had to bring it down a little bit. <laughs> wow. I mean, the man has no discipline. We know that much for sure. <laughs> well, finally, it's, it's, pull it's disappearing. To, to pull a Yonkies is to eat a bucket of fries and another one at the same time with $6 sauce while your drunk barber is cutting your hair on a treadmill. There you go. Pull a <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Who Jeez. came up with this? Hey. You've you've not you've not had a lot to do with my esteemed co-host Sarah. This is uh, uh, this is all his own work. I that's pure I, talent. I feel um I I feel almost left out here. I just watched a couple of games of rugby on the weekend, and it was it's pretty. You know what I know? I watched watching Australia A and Japan on um on Saturday night. I don't think even even the full the full Springbok stadiums and it's a sea of green tonight. I don't think I've seen a group of supporters. All wearing the current jerseys like Japanese supporters do. You know, have you know they're all in brand new jerseys. There's no old sponsors. There's no I old. Mean, they're all brand. They're all brand new. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. Yeah. Men, it's like a real sense of tribalism. I feel like yeah. with the Japanese, like whatever is current, they're there. They're wearing it. They're backing it. They're in. It's it's a, it's actually a wonder they don't know in advance that they're going to wear the alternate strips that they turn up in the right jersey. <laughs> Giving my finger on the pulse. It would, it would. We should, um, we should. Well, speaking of your finger on the pulse, <laughs> Sarah's just knocked a camera over there. Sarah, come back to the light. I'm so excited. Oh, uh, this podcast is not going to break you, Sarah. Don't worry. Uh, okay, we should, good. we should get into into the World Cup. Can, can you believe it's it's finally here? It has been a hell of a build up, hasn't it? Oh, it's been such a build up. It was actually funny because the other day I was looking at. An old interview I'd recall, um, an old interview that I was involved in back in 2019 when I first got the call up to the Pony Squad, which is play of national interest. Yeah. And the reporter at the time asked me, oh, what would it mean to you to go to a World Cup? Mind you, like, this is five years ago now. Like, Adam <laughs> played test match and, like, my response to her was like, oh, I've got goosebumps to you just saying that, like, there's a long road ahead not knowing that that long road ahead was going to be COVID-interrupted years, was going to be a postponed World Cup. So to be here right now, like, I genuinely feel so blessed to, to, to be here. It's, yeah. it's such a long trot. And, you know, to, to the other 31 players that are here, it's a huge testament to our resilience. Yeah. And I, uh, to, to stay on this path that has 
not always been easy and in you know in previous times has definitely felt like a a road that was hard to stay on um but we're here now and we're just all about making each moment matter so yeah, yeah i just i'm just so happy we're finally here like <laughs> last year genuinely had the potential to to lose a lot of players just because yeah. like how longer can you hold on but again it's a testament to each girl's resilience so i'm, I'm just really really proud to be here right now Oh, I wondered that, like, what, what sort of impact did the delay have? And, like, how many of the plans that you would have had in place last year could you still actually apply this time around? It was so hard. And also remembering that in 2020, we didn't have any test matches whatsoever. So you yeah, could only imagine all that anticipation was then transferred onto 2021. Then we come to 2021, which is also meant to be the year that World Cup was meant to be held. And it's like, oh, there's no test matches. And also your World Cup is now being postponed to 2022. So, you know, I wouldn't be lying. I'd be lying if I said there weren't any tears, there weren't any disappointment. Mm. Like as a group, we were so heartbroken. And I just have a vivid memory of us Waratahs girls being in New South Wales, standing there in a circle at one of our pony sessions, like devastated. And Grace Hamilton speaking to us and being like, it's okay. Like, it's okay to feel the things that you're feeling, but yeah. what we will do as a group is that we will take this moment and carry it with us as far in our belly. And, you know, it, again, we're here now, and that's just a testament to each girl's resilience to stay on this path because it's it's not easy, but um, bloody hell, it's worth it. No, as I say, congrats. Uh, you know, what you what you have in front of you is an ability to really uh, make history. You know, you're already, I think, you're seventh ranked now and the Wallabies are ninth ranked, so you're already beating them there. But what if you go to Eden, <laughs> what if you go to Eden Park and win? I mean, this is oh, an unbelievable imagine opportunity. Uh, so I was in Adelaide and I saw you guys play. Actually, I wasn't able to see you particularly play, but I saw um, one of your friends, I think, Pessy Palu, is that right? Yes. Uh, she came on debut, Wallaroo number 194, and she uh, had so much fun on debut. What I liked about it was after the match, your uh, team was really mixing and mingling forever, having so much fun with the fans. You know, that's, that's one of the great things about women's rugby to me is um, it's not reached a point now where people, yet where people think they're bigger than the fan. Yeah. They're, they're just having fun in the city, around town. Uh, just talk to me a little bit about that match because to me it looked like you bothered you kind of bothered the Black Ferns a little bit in that match. Is there something there you can take into this first match on, um, on 8 October? Yeah, so that Adelaide game for us was a real standout of our test season so far this year. And the reason being is that we all remember what happened to us in Christchurch. Like, they absolutely dominated mm-hmm. us and put on a heavy scoreline for us as well. And we took that quite personal. And, um, you know, the, the mindset shift coming into Adelaide is the pressure is not on us. The pressure is on them. And we finally got to host a game on home soil. So for us, it was just, what can we do as a team here? Like, what can we really accomplish here? And um, there was so much, I think, after having a heavy defeat in Christchurch, the only thing that we could do was pull together tighter as a team and make sure our Mm. preparation was even better so that we could put on a much improved performance. And coming into Adelaide, like, everything about that week was solid. Our preparation was solid and Eva Karpani, who is one of our tight head props, is an Adelaide girl through and through. Yeah. So mm. she's given herself the nickname the Princess of Adelaide. Um, <laughs> I love it. So the truth of the matter is once we got to that stage and, you know, you mentioned that, like, I wasn't playing that day, I wasn't selected to play in that test match, but we got there much earlier to set up and everything. And there's always been this thing around doubleheaders where people don't feel the stands until the Wallabies kick yeah. off. You know, people are coming early because they want to get 
you know, get a drink before they come into the game or get a good parking spot. But fans were genuinely feeling Adelaide Oval all throughout to come and watch the Wallaroos. Yeah, and, right. And I, you know, speaking to the girls, like running out and just seeing gold jerseys. I mean, you could also think like, were they there for the Springboks? Because the Springboks also. <laughs> and we're just thinking of, they were all Aussie fans and just seeing Aussie fans pack out to watch women's rugby, to watch us, made us feel immensely proud. And we felt like we had an obligation to deliver a strong game of rugby. And um, I think it was, you know, a fantastic performance put in by the girls. Bianca Rita, who was on debut on the wing, she had an incredible, incredible debut with um, with Percy Parler. Like there was just so many good elements that ought to be celebrated. And I think the performance that we put out there matched it. So after the game, yes, it was disappointing not to get the dub particularly when it looked at one point that we could have really sealed the deal yeah. but for us to to turn around the performance the way that we did comparing it to the week in Christchurch there was much more for us to be proud of than sad about yeah yeah I, I remember doing the um the the tv report for for the ABC that weekend and I distinctly used the words um you know I, I, I used something along the lines of incredible turnaround because like from one week to the next, it was it was a massive bounce back factor. So that's got to give you plenty of confidence heading into into a World Cup campaign. Yeah, and I mean we'll have the opportunity again this week at Eden Park, October. Yeah. You know, as reports have it, over thirty thousand tickets have been sold. So it's going to be quite the stage for us to to be able to take them on on home soil. We know it's not going to be an easy task, but if Adelaide is anything to go by, we've got fire in our bellies and confidence mm. in our preparation. Yeah, with good reason. So for anyone listening who maybe hasn't watched a lot of the women's game this year, what do they need to know about the World Cup? Like who's the who are the the definite standout teams? And obviously, you know, you're gonna say Australia, and I don't want you to say Australia, but who who are the teams that, that we that we need to keep an eye on? Um, I think the Black Ferns and rightfully so, like they are a yeah. very familiar side, they're very competitive. So I think for them also so being here um, and, and hosting this World Cup on their home soil is something they take a lot of pride of. And I think that there will be a huge motivation for the team to put in, um, you know, great performances. Yeah. Um, England, England, I believe, are 25 consecutive wins on the trot. Oh, wow. So that is a huge, huge feat. Even to get back-to-back wins is one thing, but to do mm. it 25 times in a row, that's immense. And we also uh, had the opportunity to have a scrimmage against France, who are currently third in the world yep. um, earlier this week. And, you know, just their style of play of being able to quickly recycle ball at the ruck, not committing anyone there. So, um, like, not putting anyone into the ruck to, to allow yeah, them right. to play, um, I think will also create an exciting brand of rugby. So, you know, those top three teams in the world are top three for a reason. And yeah. uh, watching for sure it must be it must be exciting to to be able to mix it with different countries because you guys obviously play the black ferns a lot so you don't necessarily face a lot of the other teams from from around the world no we don't and someone actually uh, sorry a country that i failed to mention is fijiana this is the first of course yeah um, team have been included in the rugby world cup so um when we had our opening ceremony earlier this week the mc went through each country and called their captain up to pick up a cap and like a participation medal and the crowd went absolutely wild when Fiji captain got up so yeah I think there's just there's there's so many exciting teams here and I think regardless of what game you're watching it's worth watching because bloody hell we've waited too long for this moment (laughs) 
yeah. yeah, so it's actually, you know, it's a great underdog story for Australian people to follow. I mean, first of all, England is one of the great, the England women's team, the, the Roses are the, one of the best sports teams really in the world. I mean, yes. at this point, they're, they're really playing a different brand of rugby, fully professionalized, mm. whereas you guys are not in that same uh, boat. Uh, France is insane right now. The French women's rugby team, I think they have a different fly-off and scrum-off every match, uh, but they're killing it. And then you have the Black Ferns, like, I think, what have they won the World Cup five times? So it's yeah. a really, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful yeah. story for the Australian fan to attach to because you've got no pressure going in. Um, I think, I think um, this is one of those, actually one of those tournaments where I really I think you could pull a, an upset. And you're paired with New Zealand in the pool, which is crazy. Yeah. But you also have, uh, is it Wales and Scotland? The right. pools, uh, the pools are actually really tough. Like the, the pools yeah. are, are mad tough. You're like, you're right. New Zealand, Australia, Wales, Scotland in pool A. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then pool B's, what is it? Canada, US, Italy, Japan. And then pool C's proper pool of death areas that's england france south africa fiji like that's that's an incredible pool it's tough like there's no that's easy you know often you can look at a a tournament um schedule and look at the pools and like oh yeah you kind of can pick out but yeah you know one's fighting tooth and nail and i guess being in that opening ceremony earlier this this week and seeing the trophy up there you're kind of like there's nothing i want more than to be able to lift that sisters so and I guess a, a really important part is like each girl has such a personal story attached to them coming into a World Cup yeah. as well. And I think that adds a lot of motivation and a lot of feeling to what we're doing as well. So it's, um, God, I'm getting like goosebumps. I can't believe the day. <laughs> oh, I love um, it. But no, there's just, there's so much, there's so much to look forward to. And these next six weeks is going to be a true spectacle of women's rugby. Yeah. And it's uh, top top two from each pool plus the next two. Is that right? For the quarterfinals? Correct. So the way I guess our in terms of goals for the Wallaroos is we need to win two of our pool match, two of our pool matches to make quarters. So we'll have this first week here in Auckland and then we'll shoot up north to Bangre where we'll have the two games there. So for us again, it's just taking each game as it comes, but in terms of outcomes and what we're trying to achieve, we are gunning for two wins here. Yeah, yeah. And tell us about the Oh, you've 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 just given yourself goosebumps talking about this at the opening <laughs> ceremony. But has has New Zealand really got into World Cup mode again? Like, what's what's it like being being over there and in amongst it? There's a real buzz amongst the city. We're staying in Auckland City proper, and there are billboards with um, you know Rugby World Cup promotion stuff on it. There are all of our team buses have um, promo stickers all over it, and people here know that there are twelve teams all about to fight it out for a World Cup. And New Zealand, uh, the general public, have really warmly embraced us as a squad. And um, I think that with each day as it comes, and particularly as we near towards the opening ceremony, it's just going to create an even bigger buzz. But what's really cool is that a lot of us girls um, have family and friends heading in to support us. So, oh, cool. Um, one of the mums have set up a WhatsApp group and we all sent that joining link to all of our family and friends and they were all um, getting excited and, and, and ready to create a bit of a Wallaroos bandwagon to get behind us. So there's oh, genuinely that's cool. so, much, so much excitement. But I think for us as a group as well, we haven't tried too much to, to kind of worry about what's happening out there and try and keep it um, about us because, you know, for a lot of us, um, and hopefully I'm there on Saturday, but to play in front of a crowd like that is unheard of and that comes with its own pressure. So, yeah, it's... um. There's a lot happening out there, but inside you, <laughs> controlled and, and just trying to stay connected. 
you're gonna you're gonna take some take some time to try and soak it all up. Yeah, seriously, maybe in an Epsom salt bath because the body is aching. <laughs> <laughs> Rugby on the raw. So Sarah, I know you're a, I know you're a lock, and I'm sure that it'd be much more fun to lift you than Sean Maloney. But um, so let me just ask you <laughs> Love for the brother. Love for the brother. <laughs> just ask you a few questions about about your journey to here. What was your first memory of rugby? How did you get involved in the sport? What's you know, how did how did it come to hook you and make you fall in love with it? So in 2011, it was announced that women's rugby sevens would be included in the Rio Olympics in 2016 for the very first time. And um, back then, rugby wasn't a very big thing at all in Australia. So my school that I was attending, Endeavour Sports High School, put a call out and said, do any girls want to try rugby sevens? And to me, I'm like, oh, because I grew up in a rugby league household, right? So I'm like, oh, that game, they just kick the ball all the time. Why not have five tackles and then kick it? Like it just baffled the whole kicking for territory thing. Um, but I put my hand up because I thought, you know what, this could actually be an opportunity to show my brothers that I'm tough just like them because yeah. I used to run me up heaps as a kid. Um, we, should, so- we should add here that both Sarah's brothers have played NRL level, so they're yes. pretty decent. Yeah, they, they go around. But one of them they go around. One's, one of them has been now and it's my time to shine. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> yes, good on you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I started playing in school and then I got picked up by the New South Wales school girls, uh, coach. I played school girls for two years representing New South Wales. And by the time I came to the end of, uh, 2013, I'd fallen out of the age category. So I was told that if you want to continue playing rugby, you need to go find a rugby club. But as we know, sevens isn't an all round year, all year round, uh, code. You have to go mm-hmm. find a 15s club. So, I landed on the doorstep of Sydney University in 2013 and I haven't looked back since. And so it was very, well, what's the right word? I was scared to go to yeah. a club just because, you know, 17 years old, 14 girls on the field, sure. like enough, and then you want to go double that plus one. Um, you know, it was just, it was a lot for me to, to kind of take in. But it's crazy because I think that if I didn't go to Sydney University when I did, I don't think I'd still be playing rugby today or at all. Yeah. yeah, there's, there's so probably there, there, aren't, there aren't there aren't too many better rugby nurseries in the country. To be fair, no, there really isn't. So what kind of what kind of lock are you? What kind of game do you bring to the field? Are you one of those that play sort of a, a loose and can actually go to the blind side uh, flank, or are you are you a classic lock? Um, I think my point of view, that's particularly in this mix, is I'm I'm quite athletic, so I can move around the park quite fast. Um, I'm not trying to plug myself here or anything, but I am the fastest forward. It sounds like you are. It really yeah, yeah, sounds I'm totally like you are. We'll, <laughs> um, we'll send. We'll send this to Jay. It'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. He'll be like, <laughs> he, he knows it's fast. So, you, you can play this <laughs> um, but no, I think my style is is I'm quite athletic and I can move around the park quite uh, quite loosely and 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 can add a supportive play if you need me there. So, um, I have definitely grown in my confidence as a lock because sometimes you think it's your job is just to purely occupy midfield and and that's it and, and you know that could be very much your game but what I like to pride myself on is being able to put on some late footwork and, and get through some holes and hopefully put some people through with some offloads so yeah it's um it's a it's something that you you can't like in this fold particularly when selections are constantly back and forth it's about finding your point of difference and constantly 
working on your craft so that you can find a point of difference when it comes to selection. So, yeah. again, this could all very much fall on its head and not be selected this week. But that being said, like, I won't stop doing the things that I'm good at, which I, I think is my speed and my athleticism around the park. And are your seven instincts still good? Like, is the, is the pass still, you know, crisp and fast? And 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 you, I mean, sevens players have to be able to throw a pass. So is, is that is that all still holding strong for you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, a, I wouldn't say that I, I get the, the ball out wide, but what I can yeah. do is I can break through the tackle and then find a loose hand to let the ball yeah, go. Sure. I would say like offloads would be more so my thing as opposed yeah. to putting on a beautiful pass that you'd expect from a fly half. We'll, we'll, we'll edit that, edit that out of the bit that we, that we send it, Joe. I know, yeah. And did you play any other sports uh, coming up at a, at a beast level? Believe it or not, Harry, I was quite rubbish at sport growing up as a kid. Like I played all the, like I did all school sport and stuff like that, but I wasn't good at it. And I think <laughs> realization I've come to is that rugby is probably the sport that has been the most patient with me and therefore allowed <laughs> me to create a career out of it. So um, I would love to say that, you know, I grew up playing touch and it was a natural transition or something beautiful and fancy, <laughs> but the truth is no one gave me a chance, but rugby did. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And but what does it what does it mean to your to your family the fact that you are going to a World Cup, knowing what your brothers have have played, and and knowing that there's obviously a fair bit of talent in the Nagama household. So what does it mean to them? It's um oh, it's made me a bit emotional. Um, it's really, <laughs> it's really special. Um, my parents are so proud of me, and they never failed to tell me. And I think like they're. Their pride in, in me and what what I do hasn't just come about because I've been selected for a World Cup. Like, they're the first people on the phone when I'm being dropped as well, you know what I mean? And so I guess for them to be able to see me live out my rugby journey since I was 16 till now being a 27-year-old woman and the early morning, the late nights, the missing out on birthdays, the leaving, you know, birthday dinners early, yeah. the missing out on weddings, like, for them, it's an accumulation of everything that's happened over the past, you know, 10 years and when I had found out that I'd been selected to be part of the World Cup squad, like I called my siblings straight away and there were just so many tears. And it was funny because talking to each of my siblings, like they would, they would draw on a moment that could have potentially made me walk away from the game yeah, because yeah. I trusted you reap the rewards of what you sow. And, um, yeah, my parents are really, really excited. And my mom, she booked a ticket to, to fly into Auckland later this week. And I was like, Mom, like, I don't know, do you want to wait till I till they announce this squad because I could very much not be playing this week either. And her response to me is, I don't care. It's your first World Cup and I want to be <laughs> yeah. there, to be there for your brothers. So That's cool. Yeah, for, for us as a family, it's something that we are definitely soaking in. Um, and for me personally, I just feel really grateful to be able to add to my family's legacy in such a way. Yeah. Is your mom one of those ones going to have a big banner with your name on it and some kind of pun? <laughs> No, I mean, I wish that she was, but she's not. She's not as extra as I am. Um, she's, she's very much the quiet spectator. She's the she's the emotional spectator. Yeah. Like she'll um she has this whistle that she does no matter what game she comes to. She does this whistle, and I hear it, and I know it's my mom. So I'll just look for that. Um, it's 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 bizarre. And I can't really do it oh. myself. But um, it's like when we make that, like when we lock eyes, it's like this. <laughs> like it's just so weird. Um, I'll do it. But she's she's yeah. a crier, and I definitely get my crying um tendencies from her. 
Yeah, so don't oh. don't look at your mom during the game because it's not going to scare the Kiwi girls if you start boohooing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I need I need to hold strong. I need to hold strong. If you could if you could pick that whistle out in a thirty thousand crowd at Eden Park, that is impressive. It is. Like, it's impressive in the whistle itself, but picking it out that is good. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I've never experienced a crowd of thirty thousand. No. Like, at a at a final, you're thinking about like ten thousand or whatever, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just you can hear it, like you know it. Yeah. So, yeah. When you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what are your What are your thoughts before you go on the field? What like if on a big game? What What are the things you tell yourself um, to play? You know, for your family, for your roots, and for Australia. Um, I have these words tattered on my arm, and it says, "I am the woman in the arena," and it's a. Uh, oh an, wow! It's an abstract from Theodore Roosevelt's "Man in the Arena." Um, mm. And so I actually have text on my my forearm that's written in my grandmother's handwriting. And so for me, it's like this is the arena and I'm the woman in it and it doesn't matter what happens out there. What matters is that I'm putting my body on the line. I'm putting myself in vulnerable, you know, vulnerable positions to either be hit or to hit. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's my moment and I'm in that arena. And, you know, nothing makes me prouder than being able to put on a gold jersey um, and standing there in the change room, those final moments where you're looking in the eyes of the other 22 girls and you're like, this is it. This is us. Yeah, yeah. It gives me goosebumps. Like, there's nothing compared oh, to Oh, it's like, giving me goosebumps. I'm getting fired yeah. up. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's like because, you know, you, you throughout the week you're constantly seeking validation from your coaches whether you're doing the right thing or not. Mm. But when you cross that line, when you cross that paint, it's, it's about you then. Like, yeah. what are you going to do to make yourself believe that you are strong enough to put your hand up for the ball? Like, do you back your ability to call the right line out when you're in your 22 and you have your only attacking opportunity? Like, there are so many things that go through your mind. And so for me, it's just about how can I ground myself? And that's the words that I say is that I am the woman in the arena and that all the work that I've done throughout that week is enough because I'm there now. That's such a, that's <laughs> such a good little motto for life. That is so good. I love that. Okay. As you as you fight for the cup uh, that has no name um, this month, uh, give us the flavor about some of, teammates. <laughs> some of your teammates. Um, Didn't William Webb this- Ellis have a sister or something? Nah. <laughs> uh, we need a name. I'll come up with I'll come up with the name next uh, yeah, next week. The, the Samantha right. Webb Ellis Trophy. I want to hear it. How you come up with the name and let yeah. us know. <laughs> I, know you, I know you have an extraordinary amount of loose forwards that are called grace, which could be a problem, actually, because I don't think you want to extend too much grace in the Lucy's. But um, yeah, who's who's your team joker? Who's the one that dances the best? Who's the quickest to pay for? Give us a play for all these characters on the team. Definitely. So Eva Kapani, she is the biggest carry-on. She is a tight head prop, you know, like such a physical presence on the field, but the biggest sooky baby, like, <laughs> childish thing I've ever experienced in my life. Me and her actually had, like, a bit of, like, a push and shove on, on the field yesterday, like, in the middle of a drill because it was, you know, like, when they say bodies in front, right? So you naturally take a couple of steps after you get a body in front of you because it's just, you know, it's, it's not tackle. Anyway, <laughs> she has this, like, cheap, like, why don't you go down whenever I touch it? And I was like, oh, just shut up. Like, you always complain in the middle of this show. Like, just get on with it. So, yeah, Eva Kamani. I love that. I love that. Good bit. Oh, my goodness, she's the best. Um, oh, this is fantastic. Best, best dancer would be Caitlin Leaney. She's um, one of our locks. Um, you know, for a white girl, she has got some moves and she knows it. She absolutely knows it. She knows it really well. 
Um, I remember she's the funniest person in our squad because she'll be the first to yeah. laugh before everyone else jumps in. Yeah, I've, I've um, witnessed that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Like, we were meant to have a minister come in to do, like, our uh, our coach presentation when we were still in Sydney. And they're like, oh, the minister couldn't come in today. And she calls herself the Minister of Defence. because she's, <laughs> she's like, oh, well, if you need the Minister of Defence, like, she's writing it. And everyone's like, she cracks up. And everyone's like, ah. So, <laughs> Bella, and um, I guess if there was one more character to know about, um, Emily Chancellor, she yes. is she's a energizer bunny that is full of smiles, laughs, positive yarn, and the kind of person that you gravitate towards in in any environment, whether you're on the pitch. Luckily for me, she's actually my roommate, um, so it's it's just good to have people like M Chance who you know, have, have been in this world for a, a few years now, has some experience and can keep you grounded when it all becomes a bit much. So, yeah. you know, every girl here has such a great personality and we all get on well. We're very much a dysfunctional but functional family and uh, flaws and all, welcome here and it's loved. <laughs> Emily Emily Chancellor, Sarah, I, I can remember, was playing at Aon Sevens tournament here yes. in Canberra 2019 and I was lucky enough to be in commentary with John Menenti at the time and oh, I can't cool. remember I can't remember what she said but she said something to the to the referee and it just cracked up everyone in the immediate vicinity and John and I were just left back laughing we couldn't it was just one of those moments like did we just hear what we just heard and it was it was one of my oh, great do you memories remember? Do you I remember no I can't remember what she said it was it, like the referee explained something to her and she just said, yeah, but, and whatever it was, and it just floored everyone. It was, it was so, I, I remember, I remember the laughing. I remember the reactions to it. I wish I could remember what she said. It was such a great she, little moment. She's such a special character in our team. And cause we always, not that we make fun of her, but because she's such a quirky character as well. Like she's quite unique in the way that she is. And we only found out um, a few years ago that she went to Montessori um, coming like that was her prime because I was like Em like what's your prime like what primary school did she go to and she's like Montessori I was like Montessori public like what's Montessori <laughs> which which suburbs that <laughs> yeah like what's Montessori and she was like we didn't do homework we didn't wear school uniform like we learned through plan and all of us just had this light bulb moment of like Em you make so much more sense now <laughs> like, you're always so curious like you yeah. you know you'll, you'll often hear her in any in any environment like we have some guys at the moment giving us mouth guards to measure the the impact of when we get hit yeah everyone's there like after training like just trying to get off their kit so we can jump on the bus and then you just like hear her thing being like okay but my question to you is yes. kind of like, oh Montessori give it a rest just get on the bus so we can go <laughs> She's she on the few times that we've seen her on on the stand couch though she's been a fantastic pundit she's got as as have you I must say you've you've all got futures there I've got no doubt at all. Oh thank you no she's um she like the, and everyone I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story but she grew up you know attending games with her dad watching the Waratahs all her life and yeah so you know unlike me she's grown up in rugby so she has a, a real grip also I should say real grasp on on the game and, yeah. and what works and what doesn't and I guess it also shows when she's when she plays like she's world class and yeah, yeah. We're, we're pretty lucky to have her here yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna watch Emily in these games and try to see how she approaches the breakdown like a Montessori puzzle that's, <laughs> that's, gonna, be my, that's gonna be my next way of watching it. 
I did. I did notice uh, during speak of the kicking and the playing. I did notice in Adelaide when I watched the test, and we watched the whole um, almost the whole match. I think uh, there wasn't as much kicking uh, in that game as in the game, you know, afterwards. And I wondered about that. Is that something? Um, is that something that your coaches are talking about? C- tactical kicking. I know for as a lock, you want some kicking, so you have a line out. Mm-hmm. Um, but but also, it just seemed like there's a lot of space on the field compared to in the men's game. And you could find grass with your kicks. You could do grubbers and chips and so forth. Is that part of the um, the chat? Yeah, it definitely is. I think for us in Christchurch, we probably kicked too early. Um, like we probably could have built a couple of phases before kicking it because, you know, we pretty much kicked it and they returned it with ball in hand and made some some great distance on the field. So I guess coming out of that test match in Christchurch, it was about being a little bit more clinical as to when we would want to kick. Um, mm. And then also an important part was kicking it to where we could attack because what we found in Christchurch is that we'd kick and, they'd, you know, their fullback or their back three would receive it and then they would build right. multiple phases out of it. So that took us out of the game and we ended up defending when really we could have attacked. Yeah. So it's definitely been a part of, um, I guess, a focus of the backs is being a little bit more clinical with when you kick and where mm-hmm. you kick through because you want to kick to a place where you have numbers flooding it and can create a positive picture and, and essentially turn it into an attacking opportunity. So... Um, yeah, the backs are, are working tirelessly about on their craft and our kickers have been doing a fair bit. And as a lock, I've been out there catching their kicks as well, which has put a lot of a lot of reps in for me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, it, it's a great pickup. Kicking for us yeah. um, in Adelaide was much more limited because we felt like we kicked at the wrong times in Christchurch. That essentially put us under pressure that yeah. wasn't needed. Uh, I'm conscious of time, um, Sarah, and I know you've had a big training day, but and I've just mentioned the, uh, the the Stan TV work. I've seen what you've done for the ABC as well with Can You Be Pacific, which is which is fantastic. Is that a little bit of experience for you know life after after rugby for you? you? You're clearly enjoying it. I can see that. I see I see you on the sideline every now and again. When we do cross paths. I can see you're loving it. I absolutely love it, and I think I've also come into the realization in like the past three months that this is something that I really want to do after I've finished rugby. Yeah. Um, so I'm just really grateful because to ABC first and foremost, because they gave me my first opportunity in media to host Can You Be More Pacific, which I still proudly host with Dean Hallertau. It's a great um, show. Thank you. We love it. And we've created a quite a, a great bond. But, uh, you know, when the opportunity came up to, to commentate for the first time, which was Bledisloe 3 in 2021, I was very nervous to, to do it because, honestly to commentate has never been something that I've wanted to do um but I'm so happy that I jumped at it because it has created a pretty pretty neat career for me so far Um, it makes me even more excited to think about what could be once I have the time and the space and the availability and not trying to juggle it around training and games etc so um yeah it's very much a career that I would like to pursue post uh post rugby And, and was there a little moment for you at some point along the line where you realised that you weren't just a, a, a woman talking about rugby on TV, but you were a rugby player talking about rugby because that's how it comes across. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because, like, when I first did my first few games, like, I was so doubtful in my ability yeah. to, to commentate and talk about the game in such a way that would be viewed and could potentially be criticised by viewers. But I think when I, like, 
when I think back to like my first, first game, that Bledisloe where um, I was on the couch with Sonny Bill and of course he was like rooting for the, for the All Blacks. <clears throat> and he said that the Wallabies weren't pulling the trigger early to attack. And I was like, well, that's BS because Marika broke the line in like the first two minutes and we did have an attacking opportunity. And like, I disagreed with him, but not because I was trying to like do anything, but I was like, yeah, no, I, like, I beg to differ. And then like from that moment being like, if you can pull up Sonny Bill Williams on your debut of commentary, girlfriend, you've got a long history in this absolutely. game. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's not even watching, he's not even watched the game. He's just commenting everyone's shoes. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, everyone like frosts over Sonny Bill. And look, to be fair, he's actually a great, great man. And I'm like really, really proud of no, the fact he's that a nice that guy. Yeah. That I've gotten to work with him. And um, you know, much to, to everyone's opinions, like he certainly has his own style and a style that I can definitely appreciate also being a Pacific Islander woman. So mm. yeah, love the stand stuff, love Sunny, And uh, yeah, hopefully there's a long career in it for me um, after. Well, I yeah, I suppose the big thing is to trust your own observations, you know, yeah. like, you know, at some point you realize, no, it's really just, we're all doing the same thing. We're noticing little tiny, beautiful elements of this game we love. And yeah, I, I looked at some of your work and I thought you were a natural, so. Thank you. Good on you, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that, Sarah. I've I've absolutely enjoyed this this chat. It's been absolutely fantastic. I really really appreciate you um, finding some time for us. I know it's a busy week. I know it's a a busy week ahead. Um, thanks so much for for joining us on the pod. Uh, best of luck with selection next week. This week, I should say, and and of course, best of luck on on Saturday evening. It's it's going to be a massive massive occasion for you guys. Thank you so much. It's uh, always a pleasure to catch up with you fellas and. Uh, I am very much looking forward to this Saturday selection, no selection. Women's Rugby World Cup is one getting behind. So to any listeners, make sure you tune in and get behind the girls. We will definitely Go get your that. name on that cup, Sarah. Get the name <laughs> on the cup. Oh, God. Earn some time first in the jersey, and then maybe they might consider it. <laughs> the Roar. Harry, fantastic to have Sarah on. Uh, I just wish her and the Wallaroos all the best this weekend. That was such a great chat. And she might have been the best guest of all. I mean, she oh, just brought yeah. together. I, I was, so I was ready fun. to run out in the field. I wanted to shave my beard and become a Wallaroo. Let's go. No, no other guest in 37 previous episodes has, has given me goosebumps. That's for sure. Yeah. She was, it was fantastic. And I, and I love the way she connected the story to the story of her family. I mean, just now, yeah. now I want, I've got to find her mum in the crowd you know, see that whistling lady. Listen, and- listen for <laughs> listen for little whistles. Yeah, I'll be doing that as well. I will. I will yeah. absolutely be doing that as well. It's it's very much a David and Goliath, or you know, sort of a really big underdog story. Because really, the Wallaroos should not make any noise in this World Cup against these professional teams. But what if they did? And we all know that yeah. these are, yeah, anything could happen. Uh, and I'm looking forward to these matches. Yeah, I mean, if I could, when the their, their record against the the Black Ferns is, is is what it is. But if they could if they could get a, a, if they get the two wins that they're looking for um, over Wales and Scotland, that'd be that'd be absolutely massive. And we should actually mention, you know, that the games it does all kick off on on Saturday uh, with there's three games back to back in uh, Eden Park in Auckland. Starts with South Africa and France, uh, then it's Fiji and England, and then Australia and New Zealand, and that kicks off at uh, five fifteen local. Uh, Big pardon, seven fifteen local time, uh, five fifteen Australian Eastern Daylight Time. So uh, make sure you check that out. Check your local guides as well wherever you happen to be listening to us from. Uh, 
Um, Japan, Japan 15 playing Australia A again in the second game of their uh, two-game series at the best Denki Stadium in Fukuoka on Saturday afternoon. That's Australian uh, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, the A squad won 34-22 on Saturday night to kick off that two-game series. I mean, that's a that's that's going to be a good little series uh, gearing into the spring tour. I've got no doubt about that. Um, the URC is what are we up to round four this weekend? The South African teams are going pretty bloody well, I got to say, mate. Yeah, so the Stormers and the Sharks have only played two matches each. Um, so where they sit on the log at uh, four and seven is really not bad at all. The Bulls are actually second already. The The log seems to be shaping up quicker this time. Uh, yeah. First season, South African teams are in. It was kind of feeling their way. But, you know, you're looking at possibly four um, South African teams in the playoffs and challenging for uh, Champions Cup. So this that is great. Yeah, it's actually a lot of young players are getting a, a shot, uh, which is wonderful to see. Yeah. It's like Australia A. Just you want to see some of these young guys get some really good game time against some very good players. Uh, but it looks like the Welsh, the Welsh sides are really in trouble so far. And uh, then you have Edinburgh doing pretty well for Scotland. Yeah, um, yeah. This, it's it's going to be tough for some of these Welsh sides though. So Leinster and the Bulls currently unbeaten, but what stands out for me, uh, as much as four South African teams in the top seven, but Benetton and the Lions at sixth and seventh. And I, if you had have said that at the even the end of last season, I think you might have had a few funny looks thrown your way. Yeah, that's true. The, the Lions don't look bad. They won two on the on the trot uh, on the road, which is always tough. Um, but yeah, I think they'll they'll be the one at the bottom of the four South African teams. Yeah. Uh, there's no joke. Benetton is not a, not a joke team. They actually played very well. And even Leinster has had some trouble. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, right. We will. We will. Uh, the um, the quarterfinals of the National Provincial Championship um, in New Zealand kicks off on Friday night this weekend. Uh, North Harbour, who finished second playing Auckland uh, in the first quarterfinal. That's in, uh, in Albany. On Saturday, it's Wellington and Hawke's Bay and then Canterbury and Northland. Um, they're in Wellington and Christchurch, those two games. Uh, and then on Sunday, it's Waikato and uh, the Bay of Plenty as well. So the um, uh, the regular season games wrapped up last weekend, and that's been a, a pretty good little competition again this year. The England English Premiership, I actually watched um, a couple of games on the weekend. I, I, watched, uh, I watched Saracens absolutely thump Leicester Tigers in the, uh, uh, the replay of, of their final. And I watched Sale beat... Exeter as well, and that was a funny old game. That it was they're both Sale and Saracens are on top of the ladder uh, and remain unbeaten. Exeter looked like they had that game in hand, in sort of early midway through the second half, and then suddenly they didn't. And it just sort of eight points isn't a massive losing margin, and it's not like they were walked over anything like that. But it was a it was a funny sort of a game, as I say. Like they they had it and then they lost it. And the AJ Bell always looks like a, I don't know, like it's a high school rugby pitch and the yeah. very windy, it's kind of open. Uh, it, 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 those actually are some funny games. I did see uh, Akka van der Merwe was very good for sale. Uh, I think in the end, the power kind of took over. You had some yeah. Dupree brothers out there. Yeah, two, uh, two, really, two curries, two curries and three Duprees in the sale side. Yeah. <laughs> and for Saracens, that, that win over Leicester was actually quite remarkable. It's very yeah. rare to see. They were really good. Of an entire league just get pummeled by 50 uh, yeah. in the next season. Yeah. And 
Leicester did, actually didn't look that bad, I thought, but they just they got thumped. I tell I tell you what I did notice about that game. That's played on on Sarri's synthetic turf home ground. What I count three or four guys running out in the in the long compression tights. Yeah. Through, <laughs> carpet burn on the knees. Nah. Don't know. No one. No, no one wants that. Uh, locally, Queensland will be the next Australian side to trial a host of um, game improvement measures. Uh, that's this Sunday in Brisbane, and it's all designed to speed up, um, speed up the game, increase ball in play time, and it's 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 things that are essentially there, but they're actually just going to, you know, actually start officiating is what it comes down to. It. So it's things like five-second ruck com- uh, compliance and 30 seconds from for scr- to set scrum. Use it, use it, use it. But yeah, really mean exactly. It. <laughs> yeah, actually mean it this time. So, yeah, 60 seconds for penalties, 90 seconds for, for conversions. But they're looking at things like um, a, you know, no more than one, a, you know, one additional scrum reset, like what um, Jonathan Kaplan told us is in use in uh, Major League Rugby from – you know, early in the in the podcast season, the scr- defending scrum half can't go behind past the middle line, um, and you know, focus on things like the tackler not rolling uh, east west and that sort of stuff. They, there's tweaks around deliberate knockdown as well. There's it's going to be referred refereed as as either a deliberate attempt to catch or a deliberate attempt to knock down, and, and they'll be they'll be officiated just slightly different to to what we have now with the de- deliberate knockdown rule. Um, as it is, and that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind that one. The Brumbies played New South Wales ten days ago and play the Melbourne Rebels in another game on Thursday. They're using a similar set um, set of uh, of laws. I've spoken to Stephen Larkham about this, and I'll have that up on the Raw on Thursday about the tweaks and 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 his impressions of it and how it might actually be uh, be fixing up the game um, to start with. A little bit of um, movement news um caleb trask is heading to japan from uh, the chiefs he's joining the honda heat along with uh pablo mateta and tom banks geordie barrett has officially put pen to paper on a new deal that keeps him with the hurricanes and new zealand rugby through till the end of 2025 uh and the worcester warriors situation uh went to custard between our record time and when last week's episode uh, released as well. And the owners put out a statement that basically said, eh, it's everyone's fault, but ours. And it was, it, it's gone down like the proverbial lead balloon, as you can imagine, mate. it's not a great situation over there. Uh, it's a very ugly spat. There's allegations of asset uh, splitting and shifting. Transfers and, I, yeah. Uh, fuck it. Yeah, no, it doesn't look great at all. But, mate, I think that is us done for episode 38 of the Raw Rugby Podcast. Don't forget that Harry and I are both on the socials and don't forget to drop us a line on the Raw when the new episode page lands. The Thursday two-up is on hold for a few weeks, but we're back for the spring tour. Um, and so I expect will the instant-ish reaction pods in some shape or form. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe on your pod platform of choice and you'll make sure that every new episode drops indie notifications as soon as it's live it's the raw rugby podcast with me brett mckay and harry jones every week on the raw.com.au australia's biggest sporting debate the home of all your favorite international rugby analysis opinions and conversations thanks for listening we'll be back in your ears next week Two more words. The rugby championship has given the English language to Barrett.
to split a lamb kebab three ways and to buffeli, to make time and space stop by making a face like you're taking a poo. Come play with us. <laughs>